Hey everybody, and a welcome back to another exciting episode of Indie Film Cafe. I'm your host, Jonathan Moody, and I've got an awesome, awesome, awesome show for you guys. Uh, so I've got some great guests. Uh, both have been on the show, and they've actually been on a show together back in, uh, I guess it was season three, the end of season three. They did, uh, uh, was it White Wolves, A Cry in the Wild? So I had to bring these guys back. Uh, please welcome Dustin Hubbard. How are you doing, Dustin? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, we're really excited. And we've got John Ward here. How are you doing, John? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Um, so I think we also, Dustin, on Indie Film Cafe, we also were on where we talked about uh, Arcade. So both of those movies were movies you actually loved, you know. And I think what happened this time was I asked if you would do another movie that you didn't love. And you picked this one. <laughs> That's, I don't remember picking it, but yeah. It's, you did, it's you did. You said totem. I, I remember so, that. So, so Dustin to play, is to blame. <laughs> he is to blame for this. You know? um, definitely not part of the creme de la creme of the full moon library. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yep. But we'll talk about that a little after we get back from some moon music. All right. And we are back. All right. So Ah, this this was an interesting one, you know, that uh, you guys guys had to sit through, you know. Um, let's let's talk a little bit uh, about the background, and you know, you know a lot more about background stuff on this stuff, Dustin. Can you uh, can you give us some like a background on the making of this movie? Uh, Totem was a movie. It's one of those movies that I think was kind of around at Full Moon for a while, and concept wise script wise uh, and it kind of sh shuffled around a bit until uh, i believe they had someone that was doing it and for whatever reason it didn't happen you don't uh, know who that was i don't offhand uh comparable to today's standards you know today's version of something like this i picture being like the grim rapper that movie's been around for ages and it's it's had you know many people come and go off of it and it's never actually seen the light of day yet but uh this one did end up seeing the light of day they uh charlie got david dakota to uh, agree to do it as part of a contractual obligation that they had uh so he stepped in as director uh it was not a smooth shoot i don't believe the effects were not really on point uh it was the first time effects artist that worked on the film so a lot of the uh delivery wasn't as expected they shot it in four days at sable ranch uh in 99 i believe uh mm -hmm. it was shot on 35 millimeter believe it or not um so, but Dakota agreed to do it as part of a contractual obligation. He basically directed this movie so that Charlie would let him make Voodoo Academy, which at the time was his passion project. So he ended up doing that as basically his, his thank you for doing 
this. Uh, it's probably arguable which one is better. <laughs> I think Voodoo Academy is better, but um, by full moon standards, let's just say that you can still find this one on the website for sale and Voodoo Academy, you cannot. <laughs> you told me before that Voodoo Academy was uh, sort of uh, like Charles Band was like, whoa you know, when he saw the yes, cut of it. Kind of, yeah, it's an early instance of Dakota making movies, the kinds of movies that he wanted to make that were more uh, male-centric and homoerotic. And that was a bit more boundary-pushing than Charles Band was expecting. And when he made it, delivered the, the rough cut, uh, they didn't speak for about a week or two because Charlie was so kind of off put by how uh, homoerotic the movie was, you know? So uh, that movie, both of these movies, actually, this Totem is one of the only movies in Dakota's career, to my knowledge, that actually did get some pushback from the MPAA for violence, believe it or not. Uh, so they did have to actually cut back on some of the, the blood and violence on this one and they they did pull back on voodoo academy 2 as well but it was in a in a different fashion because it was more of the uh, erotic kind of moments uh, because that movie ended up being so uh not full moon's cup of tea that when they released it they released it to vhs in a very truncated like 66 minute cut for vhs i believe that places like Blockbuster and Hollywood Video stocked, but it was super trimmed down. The, it was the promise that they would release the director's cut version, which is, I want to say, about 97 minutes. There's a there's 30 plus minutes cut back into the full director's cut of Voodoo Academy, but they the there was a promise that they would release the director's cut to the Lunar Edition DVD series so the fans could see the full full director's intended version so and that was one of maybe five lunar edition dvd releases that saw the light of day and those are now highly out of print so all right well this movie totem um has you know i don't know it it doesn't have any like homoeroticness to it at all so um you can see sort of that like charles band i guess originally you know of course didn't want that you know that wasn't what he was trying to sell to i guess you know mm -hmm. um but he had it has three girls and three guys um so six characters and i think john you've talked to me about this before you always sort of and even dustin you to an extent i've always kind of talked about how you know an independent movie should have like a really small cast you know, and that cost a lot of money, you know, basically to cut down costs and everything. And this really did a good job with that. I mean, they had, nobody was famous at the time. I believe yeah. all of them, like sort of a couple of them later became famous, like um, the main guy, Justin Font, or Jason, sorry, Jason Font went on to be a, like a Power Ranger, you know? Yeah, um, he was the Ranger on Power Force for a good handful of years. Yeah, which, John, I'm sure you're not, you know, you're not a big fan of. I, I've, I've watched some 
Power Rangers. I, I even worked on Power Rangers. I was a PA on Power Rangers. Which okay. Power Rangers original? I don't know. Which uh, maybe whichever one had like the 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 big fat guy as the villain with like the skinny guy as the sidekick. He always wore like the the hat and stuff like that. He was the the always their main like human bad guy. But oh, I, like I Skull or something is that his name? Yeah, I'm not sure. I I worked for a company called Stargate Films and we did effects, and so I would drive out to certain TV shows and certain films and uh, uh, just pick stuff up, drop stuff off. And one of them was the Power Rangers set. But I really have no idea. I just know that I saw the the big guy, the big villain guy um, in chair getting makeup. So, ah. yeah. Okay. So Are technically you... I, I worked on it. So, well, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, well, awesome. Um, I was not familiar with Time Force or whatever. So I wasn't, you know, I don't, I don't know any of these, <coughs> any of these characters or these people actors um but uh yeah um let's see so then there's also so that was jason font there was marissa tate who uh she was i think if i'm correct she was on bold no yeah bold and the beautiful for like i don't know you dustin are big soap opera fan did you ever do you watch that show uh yeah I'm, yeah i've seen a, a good number of uh bold and the beautiful over the years it's a young and the restless spinoff and in my house we've basically watched young and the restless for you know on and off as long as i've been alive so <laughs> you know, those shows intermingle characters because they take place within the same universe so mm. yeah i don't remember a period when marissa tate was on it though so that might have been one of the, the periods where i was not not too deep in the the B and B at the time. Marissa Tate did also do another movie for Dakota, though she was in uh, the original Witch House. So. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, awesome. Uh, wait, did who? So who? Anybody else work on the original Witch House too, or like from this? From yeah, because wasn't Jason Font in the original Witch House as well? Jason Font was one of the two opening scene victims in Witch House One. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they kind of did those movies back to back. You know, uh, Witch House was shot in Romania as a. It was a double shoot with, I want to say, Retro Puppet Master. Um, so that that was shot in Romania. This was shot at Sable Ranch, though, in California. So, really? Yeah. Because that so. that guy who's supposed to be an Indian, a Native American. Yeah, character. you better do this. <laughs> yeah, I was doing my, you know, that, nothing yeah. about his name or his appearance that says anything about being Native American. So it kind or of his feels- voice. He had like I thought it was a Romanian accent or something. You know. Yeah, he sounds very european right not, not native so yeah so i didn't understand like and, and i'm gonna tell you guys real quick about that before i forget but that scene cracked me up because the dude literally was like aren't you well you're native american or you know or i think you said indian that's why i did the quote unquote yeah you know it's like you're an indian you should know these things and i'm like thinking mm-hmm. who the fuck when did he fucking tell anybody he was an indian or like a native american he, he didn't they they pull a lot of stuff out of their ass in this I film guess. i mean it, it's it's there's a lot of exposition that 
nobody could possibly know. I guess one thing that you can maybe look at is that when Marissa Tate wanders to the cabin, they've all been there for an undisclosed amount of time. So who knows how long they've been there. They could have gotten to know each other really well. Well, they said that that one guy hasn't talked. Nobody yeah. knows anything about him. And, and so he it, just sits there. It's funny too, because they, I know they go into like detail about each character. And I've seen this movie a, a, a good number of times. I've seen it. Truth. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this was truthfully probably the seventh time. Whoa. I've seen it. <laughs> I think the, the, this this second. would be like watching puppies killed or totem. I'd be like, oh God, which I mean, one? Which one? You know, makes me feel old, but this movie's twenty three years old now. So I mean, it's it's been around for a while. So it I've took twenty three years off my life. I've <laughs> seen it, seen it a lot, and I can never, I never retain any information about who these characters are, their backstories, or anything, because they're all just, they're all just. <laughs> like cutouts of yeah. people that don't feel real. They're just <laughs> like, like, yeah, fake stereotypes, you know, shit. Just boring, boring characters. Well, I, yeah, I, I watched it on Tubi because I figured what the hell, but I do own it, but I find it funny. So I thought I would share this. So here's the DVD for Jigsaw. Fantastic. And it's one of those ones that's the double feature one. But way down here, this little <laughs> thing and totem. So it yeah. also includes feature length totem. Like, yeah. wow, you could even like split the screen in half or anything. That, and no. that, was, that was a period where they were releasing these double features as, as a brand new release. Like when that movie came out, brand new first oh, wow. release. And they would chuck a second title onto the disc as a bonus for retailers like Hollywood Video. And that was, that was one of five or six of them that they did. And usually the primary was usually better than the secondary feature so the secondary feature was usually a big big turd the one instance where the secondary feature was probably way better was when they released transfer six with transfers one so yeah there you go yeah because <laughs> uh, this is actually directed by martin tate who's that i think he only did one movie <laughs> <laughs> he only did totem you know. only did, yeah that's one of the uh you know this comes this comes at the tail end of what i call the everything was directed by david dakota era of full moon like um like 85 percent of every title that got released around this time frame was all directed by him practically and uh it didn't look like it was though because they all were so many they all had so many pseudonyms if it wasn't you know dakota's real name it was like victoria sloan or martin Taylor. right yeah, Joseph he did all these different pseudonyms that you know he he tricked me for years with. For real, <laughs> for real, you did not know it was David Dakota. No, and I mean if you if you look like I know you watched the video zone again. Yep, Moody. For this, I so did. when you watched the video zone, did you notice one very specific thing? Did you notice they never interview the director? I the thought about that for a second. I was a little that's like, a, that's a conscious move. In all those movies, they never talk to the director especially in ones where he's victoria sloan i want to see david dakota in a dress yeah uh, or ellen cabot i mean in later years he directed a ton of um talking animal films as oh, yeah. mary 
so I mean on, on all those kinds of movies there's no press or like you know behind the scenes of the filmmaker it's just talking heads of the actors and stuff so we, there was there was there was a, there was a, uh, a facade to keep up it's kind of like when they were making urban films and they were kind of like yeah urban films by urban filmmakers but it was like white guys with urban names oh wow i did not know that Um, the uh the thing that i found surprising about totem is uh director of photography howard wexler who mm -hmm. i got to work with on evil bong 777 so he's obviously been with full moon for a very long time yeah howard wexler has been shooting he's been dping stuff for full moon for eons he's some of the this like no offense to anyone on this movie but he's some of the the bit of class this movie does have uh (laughs) i I will say the rocky like stuff he does all the time or the the camera pans up and down and gives you that sicking feeling you know I, Mm. i i sort of like in the beginning it works but after a while i'm just like oh god it's going again no i yeah i i think it completely completely takes away from the film because if you look at something like Blair Witch when they're giving dialogue when they're telling us something we need to know the camera is still and then when the witch is chasing them the camera is going you know all over the place but in this the camera just won't stop moving notice anytime the totem stuff is on camera and those puppets are moving around and stuff you get that oh yeah the editing puppets, was horrible with that. It's because those puppets were crap. That's why they yeah. they were crap and they didn't operate well. So you hide it by shaking shit and blowing well, a lot of. You know, I, I saw a, um, an interview with with Roger Corman, who said, "If you want to make a movie look expensive, you move the camera." And the yeah. examples he gave were his Edgar Allan Poe films. Yeah. Well, but that's like a long shot of Vincent Price walking mm-hmm. through the dungeon and the camera's just kind of following him up some stairs. This was, you know, <laughs> friggin' everywhere. And they're trying to give us some sort of explanation of what's going on. And I, and I just kind of like at the screen going, stop, stop. Can, can we just chill for a second for them yeah, to give on. me some sort of idea of what's happening in this movie because if somebody asked me to describe it i would have no idea what to tell them i I still have no idea what this movie is about even dakotu himself says yeah he doesn't know what this movie is about it it, it, like i mean i don't even know like i know benjamin carr wrote it and he's a guy that works with um uh full moon a lot you know he did it was and he did a lot of stuff with david dakota um it was either him or Matthew Jason Walsh, you know, working yeah. on these projects. So and sometimes they were together. Probably, he probably wrote about 30 scripts for Full Moon over the years. Uh, and he, you know, and I, I guarantee you, they're like, okay, we have this location. We have a graveyard right by the thing, which, by the way, when I was watching, I go, John Moore must love that, though, because you always say you love places that, you know, take you out of like your normal, you know, thing and you're somewhere else. You know, yeah, I, I like the cabin. I, I like one location movies, so I like the cabin and I liked the graveyard. And yeah, Sable Ranch had some great yeah. locations. Sable Ranch burned down a few years ago, though. So, yeah, so, during those LA fires, yeah. So, that's it, it. This totem reminded me of 
a film that a lot of people hate that I like called The Terror to go back to Roger Corman again. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, they were shooting The Raven. They had like two days, you know, where they finished early and they had the cast. And so they made The Terror and they wrote the script overnight and people find it really confusing. And I I love the film. I I think it's, it's a great companion piece to The Raven. This kind of reminded me of that where it was like, okay, so did they make a bigger movie? Like, did they maybe do a puppet master film? And then like, oh, we actually have like a day left. Let's go make this movie Totem. Four days. It shot. It was shot on four days. I, I can't believe it was shot in four days. So yeah, Dustin said that. And, and it's just like, uh, no way is this thing four days. I mean, it's, this and, is, it's, I mean, I, I'm assuming it is, but like, no. One no. thing you have to look back to just to give, you know, some props to someone like Dakota or some, you know, even, you know, Wexler and things like that is it's like, you know, we're used to in this day and age, everyone shooting on digital cameras and, mm-hmm. you know, we've got a gratification of looking at film and stuff. Imagine shooting a movie on 35 in four days. Like that's like boom, 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 boom. You, don't, mean, you stop. That's a good, that's a good thought because maybe some of the stuff that they actually did shoot you know um got lost you know so some of the stuff that actually made sense was gone you know i would love to know i would love to see the original script for this movie to see not necessarily what scenes probably weren't in the final product but just to see how long (laughs) the script was because there's just it's a movie of no content like there's not mm-hmm. a lot happening throughout it and i feel like and i've been in this in situations where i've had scripts or i wrote scripts and we you know produced the movie and you know you start out with 78 or a hundred pages and you end up with a movie that's like 61 minutes or freaking 72 minutes or something and it's like every, everything just sort of shrank mm-hmm. well this movie was only like 50, what, 55 minutes or something, you know, or 50, like nine, you know, because the credits. I think it was, it was an hour and eight minutes. No, no, but that was like credits. That was like the beginning and ending credits too in there. You know, mm. I almost don't even count. Well, yeah, so yeah, yeah, it would probably be like, yeah, like an hour and two minutes or something there was like that. Five minutes of ending credits. Five minutes. No, six, six minutes. That's what I said. And there's, and there's probably about what? two or three minutes of opening credits uh i think it was four and and let's not forget the additional probably two or three minutes that are the stock footage uh dream sequence that's all all what the hell i went back i i I thought that i thought tubi took me out of the movie or maybe Mm -hmm. maybe this was like a bad copy or something that when when i was watching it like oh no did by accidents to be like skip me to like the next movie that's in the queue it's like what the hell and and it's got to be an albert band movie and and that they're showing it's an old movie called the vikings i'm not familiar with anything about it though but yeah yeah that's yeah that has um kurt douglas it's an mgm movie i believe man i'm surprised that they could get footage from that wonder if kirk douglas was in the footage somewhere (laughs) yeah i I didn't get that i mean the girl gets dragged out the window it then cuts to this weird flashback with this voiceover Mm -hmm. it's like 
I have to point out, notice the voiceover is uncredited and the zombies are uncredited as well. The only people billed for appearing in the film are the six. Oh. <laughs> so, Was that done for a reason? I've always wondered. <laughs> the zombies look more like scarecrows. Yeah, the woman zombie has the woman zombie has a very blatant like mask on. Yeah. I've noticed the one. There's one or two shots if you look real close to when the guy zombie is attacking, his shirt comes up and you can actually see like skin, like his human skin underneath the shirt. <laughs> oh wow! So yeah, they they were very strange looking. They look like the scarecrow from like Wizard of Oz because they you could see this thing come down on their yeah. neck and it's like are these like buried scarecrows maybe that's maybe was... that's what they were like maybe that like originally they had them for scarecrows and they're like yeah let's just fucking put them as zombies or they're just really bad masks like and you can just see the giant bill of the bottom of the mask like you know michael myers's mask in halloween five <laughs> maybe that maybe that's the connection right there john Maybe that's why Totem and Jigsaw were paired together because they mm. both were loose scarecrow type films. Oh, okay. There you go. Maybe. And that's why Totem gets like the the bottom thing because it's it's even looser than Jigsaw. Yeah, because Jigsaw <laughs> was kind of looked at as sort of like a, a low-key sort of scarecrow approach. Mm. But I still wow. think it's a bit <laughs> A better movie than uh, Totem. Yes, another one that kind of infamously is not usually considered part of the the modern full moon library. Like really, yeah. I wonder why. Some uh, I don't know. Some movies fall through the cracks. <laughs> but they had that weird period with Tempe, where they where they looked like they were making good product, especially yeah. when they were you know working with Paramount. The everything and, was produced by J.R. Bookwalter, period. Yeah, and that's that looks like what I think Jigsaw is, because it does say Tempe Entertainment. Oh. Yes, uh, Bookwalter was a producer on Jigsaw. I know he he personally came to set and delivered the budget in an envelope. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, and, wow. and I and I like J.R. Bookwalter. I, I, I enjoy their stuff, but I do think that was a low point, a very low point for Full Moon, is kind of like when Paramount got rid of them and then he didn't know what to do and then JR came in and all of a yeah. sudden stuff was not of quality anymore. Yeah, they sort of moved into like a, the mini DV era of low yeah. budget. Oh, absolutely. And it was sort of um, a little bit annoying kind of like looking back at some of the stuff because it could have been a lot better. Um, uh, I'm going to be doing 30, for 31 days of indie horror, I'm doing Murder Cycle, and I rewatched that recently, and it's, I mean, it's it's low, 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 low budget, you know, and stuff kind of reminds me of this, you know, like where you just, you got one location, you got six actors or whatever, and it's like, fucking make a movie, you know? Yeah, at and least everything. this is like that, my, you know, I've used this movie's log line for other films, it's like six people, in a house <laughs> like which and, house 
Yeah, and your role with it. I mean, that's basically what what Ouija Mummy was for us. That was like we're like six people in a house with a mummy. Yeah, like that's that's the movie, <laughs> you know. So, but uh, then you look at something like Murder Cycle, and it's like that movie exists in its own weird side bubble of Full Moon because it was it was a product to try and help launch a side label that didn't really go anywhere. So, yeah crazy um what you're gonna say something john oh i was i was gonna say i I still i still think nothing can beat dave dakota with creepazoids to me this is will always be his best film so i really like creepazoids i absolutely love creepazoids it's even in a green box (laughs) um i might go one further to you uh i we had to do for um uh blue uh blue cheese one of our our shows uh, last season, we did the um, what was that movie? The yeah, Linnea Quigley, of course, because um, she was his girl, go-to girl for a while. Um, Nightmare Sisters, that was a lot of fun. You know, um, that's so on that, a triple feature disc that he brought out. Oh, yeah, right. yeah that's a great release. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good one. I, I one of the reasons why I, I love Creepazoid. One, I got to see it in San Francisco in the homeless district, and and uh, it was with a, a like three or four other movies that were playing. So I saw yeah. it when it originally came out in the theater. And in the theater, I got to see it in the theater, and uh, you know, to the to the left of of us because I went down with like two friends. Were like you know a guy getting a blowjob. You know, to the right of us was somebody shooting up and then to the back of us homeless people were sleeping and, and it was just in one of those theaters like it was called like electric or it might have been the strand theater and and later on in in life when i was going to los angeles city college um i met michael aranda who's played jesse in this and i worked at tower records and he worked at, at uh, i believe it was circuit city that was right below us and we became friends and he ended up being in a bunch of my student stuff. So nice. that, yeah, so that, that may be one of the reasons, but the, the this Creepazoids definitely holds up a, a certain place in my heart. Are and, you saying Totem is not up there with uh, Creepazoids? Um, I, I think this says it all. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that they couldn't they couldn't even put it as a double feature double feature yeah it, it, it was like it just got know. no respect on, on on the front of this box so i think that says everything right there we were talking about it earlier dustin um we uh john and i had seen uh, 90210 shark attack that is probably mm-hmm. one of our worst like least favorite david dakota movies this is uh, <laughs> this is up there but not like that it's- that one was rough yeah, it's crazy to say, like, Totem is not good. Uh, I think there's amusing aspects about it. I think the thing that carries me through is, is I like a couple of the the actors and actresses in it. So that kind of helps me, you know, get through it. Because the creatures don't really deliver or do too much. And the no. plot's just like a big hodgepodge of nothing. <laughs> like, it's just a bunch of weird ideas that don't really, like they don't ground themselves in any kind of sensical way, but um, they, there's been a lot worse than Totem, truthfully. Mm. <laughs> there's, there's a lot worse than 
you know, no offense to David Dakota, but like, there's a lot worse than 90210 shark attack. Truth I don't know about that. I, I, I believe I called it an abortion in the review and, and that it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. And I, I, I think I saw it three times and um, I saw it when it originally came out. I think I rented it from like Hollywood video or something. And then I watched it again later on, forgetting that I saw it. And then I watched, then watched it again for the review and went, oh, crap, it's this movie. So, <laughs> you know, there, I, there was that weird period of, you know, him making stuff where he was basically making whatever movies he wanted. He wasn't a director for hire at, at the time. He was just making movies for his own company, Rapid Heart, and self-distributing them. And uh, it didn't reap a lot of good films, but I know that a lot of those films sold like gangbusters because on certain websites like uh, TLA.com and <coughs> movies, the moment those movies would go up for pre-sale, they wouldn't even need artwork. They would go into like bestsellers because you knew what you were going to get. Yeah. Uh, I mean, with a title like 90210 Shark Attack, you sort of know. Totem? We're going to get a lot of good looking guys and sexy girls looking hot and that's about it <laughs> unless you're doing the 1313 movies then it's mostly there got many, guys there are many 1313 movies i can guarantee you that are worse than 90210 shark attack i, I made the mistake not knowing what those were and i rented one once the ah. resident the the house of evil 1313 <laughs> Uh, there was a, also, I had uh, reviewed uh, for last year's 31 Days of Indie Horror, I reviewed um, with Roger Connors, we reviewed uh, Wolves of Wall Street, which uh, I wish I had gotten you on, Dustin, because you told me some things after I'd already done the review that, mm-hmm. like, it could have could have been brought up, you know, but um, that movie, that movie is a... <laughs> That movie was not that good either. Interesting movie, but a lot of missed opportunities there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think if you want to look at like some of the worst stuff on his his later self produced stuff, look at things like obviously the classic example is a talk a talking cat <laughs> or uh, any, of the, <laughs> any of the talking animal movies. Period from that era are like watching the same movie. They all have uh johnny whitaker in them typically they mostly all have eric roberts sometimes voicing the animal gary Busey, i've noticed this in some of those uh, and um i can't her name is escaping me but i she was one of the uh i think she was cinderella in the softcore cinderella oh uh, uh christine um, bell Kristen. Christine Bell, Kristen, I think, or Kristen Bell. Kristen DeBell, I think, was her name. Yeah, she and she's usually the mom in all those talking animal movies. And a <laughs> lot, of they're pretty, they're pretty uncomfortably deplorable. Talking Cat is weird too because it's a movie geared towards children, and there's some bizarre homoerotica in it. And yes, so probably, we... probably the laziest performance from Eric. Um. So. Uh, was it uh, Paul uh, did Little Stinkers, a show called Little Stinkers, and had G. Larry Butler and his daughter uh, reviewing, you know, and he made him review a talking cat. 
And I was just like, oh, okay, you're, you're being terrible. And they hated it. They like trashed the movie. I've never seen trash anything because even when they hated, didn't like the movie, they were usually a lot nicer, but they were, they went off on David Dakota, on Eric Roberts. And I think yeah. he ended up working with Eric Roberts, but James Balsamo. So hopefully, you know, Eric never saw his, well, Eric knows. Eric knows. <laughs> yeah, I would it's- hope so. You know, you could look at Totem as, you know, Totem is like Schindler's List compared to like maybe B.D. Cooper, Bigfoot versus B.D. Cooper. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like those, those those movies are not good. But you know, I can't what? even find that. And I'm so mad because I want to do that for Indie Film Cafe some season, you know. I'll, but... I'll spoil this. Top build Eric Roberts and Linnea Quigley and they are both voice over work they are uh, not <coughs> bummer. Uh, he he is the voice of a uh, adult bd cooper and then they flash back to young bd cooper who looks very um not <coughs> part of it it doesn't doesn't add up <laughs> so and there's a lot of bigfoot fondling and kind of groping um as you do yeah, no. uh, yeah, kind of uh, feel feeling the feels when being around handsome men. Bigfoot's, so Bigfoot's got to get some, you know, yeah. and maybe Bigfoot's gay. Come on. Because there, there's Yeti a love story, you know, a gay love story or something like that. I don't know. And wasn't there a Yeti too also? <laughs> like, Yeah. Um, but no, uh, <coughs> it's funny. We're talking about other every other movie, but Totem. And I That's think there's, there's nothing to much else to say (laughs) like no it just just, it doesn't make any sense the movie just just doesn't well it just keeps you know like it has it's sort of like so boring because it's just sort of it begins and then like you have 50 minutes later 50 something minutes later and nothing gets nothing happens really except for like i guess they I don't know the, the killings all happen. I actually really liked the 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 scene where the girl kills the guy and she thinks she's saved herself because she's not the killer mm. and she you have no idea who the killer is and and she's they're like wait a minute you that means you are the killer you know it, it, um, it's weird because it's like you're sitting watching these people and they know nothing about their situation but they're just sitting around and running off at the mouth and just yak 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 and they won't they won't shut up and they're just sort of like hypothesizing and overthinking a very nothing situation and making making like apples out of oranges with the situation it's like they're kind of just pulling stuff out of their asset points and i'm just like kind of i don't know you know what it makes me think of? I'm sure a comparison that neither of you will sympathize with. It makes me remember watching like Dawson's Creek back in the day. And it's like, you know, you're kids, you're in love, whatever. And it's like, and they'd be like, oh, I don't really think I can be with this person because of all this other blah, blah, blah. And they're like overthinking shit. And I'm like, you're supposed to be like 16. You would not be overthinking shit so much. Just go date Katie Holmes and be happy. <laughs> you know? It's like, why are you overthinking? You're over, you're way, making way too much out of nothing and these these people in this movie just like overthink things to the nth degree ad nauseum and they're like pulling 
shit out of their ass the most of it and it's like and that what yeah it, it doesn't make girl, sense no the girl kills the guy and she's like haha i foiled the plan because I, I killed him and it's like well okay obviously stupid you were the killer then like <laughs> is she that dumb <laughs> it, it's almost like they wanted the script to be smarter than what it was yeah. and 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 it just isn't because I because what once they mentioned like at the beginning of the film, like this girl ran there, like she was doing something and then she started running. I'm like, how far did she run? Like 20 miles? Yeah. Like, like what? And she's not thirsty and she doesn't want water. And, and you know, the the mm-hmm. the one guy that that I wanted to have die was the one who just decided to, oh, let's just destroy the totem. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I'm just like, motherfucker, you're the type of guy who would walk into a museum and like rub shit all over like a painting that's 500 years old, you know, yeah. for laughs. And it's like, please die, you yeah. know. And, and and he was around for like one of the longest. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I just wanted that guy to die. Um, you know. And, and the girl, like you were saying earlier, some of the people just were silent most of the time. So it just was kind of boring. Like they didn't have much of a character, you know. Yeah. Uh, stuff. And it's funny because Jason Font is top build and he's kind of like the mouthpiece to begin with when marissa tate shows up and he's like oh i'm paul or whatever his name was let me explain everything and i'll and i'll give a you know narration of who every single person was and what they were doing blah 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 and then it gets to the point where he just vanishes yeah halfway through the movie huge chunk of like he's just gone and like okay no reasoning behind it except I guess yeah, maybe literally they maybe shoot they, an episode of Power Rangers for like the day or two in between. So <laughs> got called to set. You got called to set. Oh guys, I gotta go. <coughs> you gonna figure this out? We'll, we'll just say I disappeared. So yeah. yeah, he got called to the better paying set. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> film that this reminded me of is Identity. If you've ever seen that John Kuzak film mm-hmm. where they're all stuck at the motel. That is done in a very good way of who are all these people? Why are we here? What is that's, our connection? That's a very expertly crafted thriller. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. And this, they could have done something similar with just a couple lines of dialogue. Like, well, why were we all called here? We all jogged here. Why, instead of driving a car, why, you know, we all jogged here. Why is that? Well, I'm good at baseball. Well, I'm good at running, you know, well, I'm good at, at you know, or, Oh, well, all of our birthdays are today. They could have done something to connect, but they yeah. didn't. They, they, they didn't bother doing I cannot tell you any of these people's names. I cannot tell you what they do for a living. I, I can't tell you anything. I just remember Marissa Tate was having coffee. That's and I literally just rewatched the movie like what an hour and a half ago. Yeah. He, like <laughs> that was that was what I remember. She was having oh, coffee. And- and uh, when uh, the obnoxious dude that you hated, John, he was apparently having sex. <laughs> no. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He was having yeah. sex because he said something about the fact that he couldn't, uh, that he didn't get, <coughs> he was like, you had lunch, you know? Yeah, he, like, he I was in a different, a different pleasure instead of eating, I guess. And the creepy guy, he just didn't say what he was doing, I guess. So, yeah. the creepy later to be revealed lead guy considering he's basically like the male lead not jason yeah so well that was the that was the native american guy right 
Yes. You, you forgot to do the quotes. <laughs> well, no, no, I don't need it for that. I would if I had I said Indian, you know, I would have done it for that. But Native American. Well, Native American. they're the same thing. I mean, it's just one's just politically correct and the other one isn't. But for yeah. for some reason, you know, like you, you know, this guy with this accent that's clearly not a Native American, you no, know. No. He totally sounds like he came from one of the Romanian shoots. Totally. Right. That's what <laughs> I think. I think that's what they like. They met him in Romania and they're like, this guy's good. Let's put him in something. So they put him in that and they've also put him in micro mini kids, which I have not seen that yet. But I, I've heard that like David Dakota got fired for that or something or like uncredited. And, uh, there was a pre- there was a previous director who was fired and he was brought in, I think, halfway through finish the movie ah okay that makes sense he's like the director doctor the movie's like (laughs) the movie's broken someone had to get fired you call him in and he comes in and like bangs it out real fast the director uh doctor you know yeah it's like uh you know dakotu dakotu directed a really classy uh showtime film back in the 90s called skeletons that starred uh, Ron Silver and Christopher Plummer, I believe. Oh, Buck, God. Buck Flower. Very, very classy cast. Um, but it was a Ken Russell film, and Ken Russell got fired. And they offered it to, to Kotu. And they're like, hey, can you come in and finish this? And uh, ironically, Dakota had worked for Ken Russell back in the 80s. He had done catering because he started out doing a lot of catering stuff and he had done catering on some earlier Ken Russell films. So he was like, uh, let me double check. And he, he actually called up Ken Russell and asked for his blessing to go in and finish that movie in his place. So was that the, there was like a leather something, leather, uh, some, something leather. Uh, Are you movie. thinking of leather, leather jacket love story? Yes, I'm thinking that. Yeah. That is a very different film. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's a that is a very uh, homosexual black and white gay love story that he directed. Okay, so I don't know what this movie was then. The Ken Russell it was just movie. called Skeletons. Ah, uh, okay. Very very good movie though. If you if you were ever able to find it, I believe it on physical media in America. It's been out of print for ages, but it's a it's a really well made classy thriller with a very high-end cast i can't believe if i can't remember if it was christopher Plummer or and or maybe even james coburn like it had a slick cast that sounds amazing yeah i think i remember the the vhs of that i mean i think we had it it had a picture of two people and it said skeletons right below it so i think i think i remember it very it's honestly it's one of one of probably his better films truthfully it's not one that i would rush back to watch over some of the others just because of you know i don't know interest wise it's a very heavy thriller kind of dramatic thriller well you watch more goofy monster shit so yeah well on that note um what is it? Uh, we're about that time. Is there anything else we didn't discuss? Like, was there anything in the movie itself that you know that we need to like make sure people are aware of? Sort of thing. I don't know. Guess the music was okay. 
The music, music was, was good. All right. I mean, music yeah. didn't bother me, didn't, but it also didn't like. I don't remember it. You know, it wasn't memorable or anything. I, I think the film just would have been better if it didn't have the shaky cam. I, I think that, and and it seems, or at least not as much, because it's it. Uh, it's a, it's a decent a location. I mean, if they just maybe put some thought into what the totem or totems are, I mean, that would have been a little better. Yeah. yeah what are they? Why are they? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah it, it's, it's a missed opportunity movie. It really is. Cause good location, you know, it, it could be an okay idea. You know, maybe. the graveyard is kind of cool. The zombies were let down. How hard is it to make zombies? Maybe they can do Totem too, and you can go direct it, John. You know, it's funny you say that because when I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a Totem too, where they actually take the Totem and put it into a museum, and the people in the museum are being attacked, but you get more of a history of the Totem, and and it's like archaeologists or (laughs) some kind of like. history buffs that yeah yeah and and you shoot it you know basically during the day where you could see stuff i think maybe that was one of their problems is since this movie was primarily at night Mm -hmm. you know that takes extra time to shoot and then fuck film shoot digital you know (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. that i couldn't tell that this movie was shot on film it wouldn't have made a difference to me at all in fact i just assumed it was probably shot on like mini dv or something yeah yeah, it didn't, I, I, I didn't know the film thing either, so I'm sort of surprised because it didn't didn't give me off anything like going, oh my god, and maybe that was maybe that a little bit of that was the to be, you know, um, whatever like the I guess you know it's not HD or anything, you know. Um, it would be interesting if it, they did get a Blu-ray of this. Um, I would I would like a Blu-ray just because I would like to know more special <laughs> features on it, you know, like why did they do certain things you know more but you know aside from that yeah i mean i would like to see you know charles band bring out some of these movies like this in a collection that it's the the lesser known cheaper ones that maybe people don't think are as great as the puppet master movies or something Mm -hmm. just to kind of have this collection of maybe remastered films that maybe people would appreciate if they were done, you know, released correctly. And, yeah. and I think Totem could look good if they maybe went back and, you know, remastered it and stuff like that. Could they, could they George Lucas it so that we don't get the shaky cam? <laughs> uh, we, we could add in Jar Jar Banks. Maybe uh, that would be better. Maybe we can get a Martin Tate director's cut and they can use some of the unused footage and we can get a, a longer, more feature-length version. There we go. Maybe yeah. there's an additional 30 minutes they can reinstate, much like Voodoo Academy. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have like a 90-plus minute long movie. And there you go. Like it should you never be. Know. You never know. Um, all right, well... Makes we... you wonder where that 35-millimeter print is. Mm. Who has that? Yeah. Decaying in a warehouse. Yeah, dear Lord. Exactly. All right, everybody. We are at that time. Uh, we're going to do the stinkometer. And uh, we have a lot of fun with this. Uh, 
John was very confused for a long time on <laughs> the uh, stinkometer, but he's got it now. He's figured it out. And, I got it down. You know, he's got it down. So we got a uh, stinkometer is a scale from one to 10, one being good, 10 being stinky, 5.5 or 6.5 being, you know, if you can't decide between one or the other, you can pick, you know, you can pick it. Um, and then we take all those at the end of the year, and we tally them up and we find out which movies were the stinkiest of the year. Uh, last season, we had a movie um, that we did that was a 10 plus movie, you know, or one of our first 10 pluses. So it was so bad. No, it was Miss Werewolf. Trust me, John, you, I don't think you can, I don't think you can survive it. <laughs> um, but, uh, and Dustin, I don't, I know you couldn't, you'd be, you'd be out of there <laughs> after a little bit. Uh, but um, can Dave, uh, David Dakota do anything close to what David The Rock Nelson did? Let's find out. Um, so first off, uh, Dustin, I'm going to let you go first. So a 10 is terrible. It's terrible. Correct. Okay. And, and it could be terrible in a good way. Like you may enjoy it being terrible. Yeah. But, um, so one being fantastic 10 being terrible i would give this movie like it's tricky because i i'm i'm so biased with a lot of full moon stuff but for me i'd give it like an eight an eight okay okay what about you john i'm giving it the same because i'm 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 yeah i'm giving it an eight because i'm i'm comparing it to 90210 shark attack which I think I gave a 10. So then this is not nearly as bad as that. So um, I, I will, I'll give it an eight. Um, wow. How am I the one who's giving it the highest? Um, I'm going <laughs> to give it a nine. Um, so I was not, you know, like I was kind of, I was kind of bored by it, you know, at times uh, there was at one point where I was like, it's got 20 minutes left. Like what more can they do? You know, like, I was like, how are they going to stretch this out? Oh, we're going to add, you know, we're going to add like a random zombies stock, for no stock reason. footage. We're gonna <laughs> that's, the, that's the go-to. We have nothing else to do. Zombies. zombies or stock footage or, you know, Viking stock footage, which just like you, John, I was very confused by and was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, did I just, <laughs> did I skip? Did I, did, is this? And I was looking at it going, this doesn't look even the same quality at all. You know, I, I think they just stuck it in because the running length was too long that they had this footage and, and probably, you know, because of Charles Band's dad and Charles Band working with MGM, they were able to use stock footage from the Vikings and just threw it in there. Yeah. Okay. You know, and, and you know, because it, it's weird that the girl wakes up and goes, I had this weird dream. It had Vikings, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, and the totem was in it. Weird. So Tony Curtis, Kirk Douglas, and Janet Lee were all producers of the Vikings. So I don't know how they got. Uh, <laughs> now they're one of the producers of Totem. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guys. I don't think, uh, wow, that sucks. I wonder, wait, was that after Janet? That wasn't after Janet Lee's death, was it? Did they wait the Vikings? No, no, no. I'm talking about uh, Total. Oh. Um, no, 2004. So God, two and people it, from the Rat Pack too. Oof. 
you know, yeah, Janet Lee were just like, she looked over and goes like, mm, you know, terrible. Jamie terrible. Lee Curtis's parents yeah. have now something to do with Totem. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> oh. Classy connection this movie has. Uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I was just, I was not enthralled by it. Um, but I can't give it a 10. It's, it's not 10 worthy, um, in my opinion. Uh, th- those are usually safe for things that are just beyond abysmal and stuff. And like, I watched this like my second time watching it because I, I bought it on DVD. And I bought not the double feature, but the, the original just one off. And so I watched that and I was like, eh, you know, it's a killer totem movie, I guess. But they don't really kill. They kind of make other people kill. And it's kind of like, eh. They just kind of go. Meh. Pretty much. Flap their That's, yeah. it's pretty much <laughs> like all they do. I mean, they do look creepy. <clears throat> I'm not going to lie. They do look creepy. They confused me because they kept going to the close-up of the one with the with the eyes, but yet mm-hmm. the other two didn't have eyes. Mm-hmm. So they, they and I'm just like, do we keep cutting to the same one, or is this supposed to be different ones? It, it was very I, confusing. I couldn't really tell you the difference between the three of them. I remember yeah. one has wings and one has a giant horn on its head, but that's about all I remember. Even and the puppets kind of just intermingling and forgettable. Well, okay. Hmm. So interesting. So yeah, well, honestly, this movie just, I guess, had so much it could have done. And it just kind of failed at that, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But whatever. You know what? You look back at this and you're like, eh. You know, they made, they went out, they spent four days and they made a movie. You know? <laughs> you know, I, I think if I just would have purchased this, like if I was going to, on a full moon run at Zia Records or something and purchased it by itself and came home and watched it, I don't think I would have thought really anything of it. I, I would have thought like, oh, it's just, oh, j- you know, it's just a low budget full moon movie that they probably shot in a few days and leave it at that because, you know, there's plenty of those. But now that we're actually reviewing it and analyzing it and talking about it, it it's it's I just look at it differently now. You know, it's just it, it's harder to just be like, oh, it's just a low budget full moon movie. I think that's sort of the point of the show too, to look back and kind of overanalyze and over overthink. <laughs> just like the characters in this movie <laughs> did. You know, this movie, because really, I mean, when you look at you know, this is just a number to David Dakota. Like, this is just, you know, uh, what was that line in uh, Street Fighter where uh, M. Bison's like, you know, the day Bison graced your land was the greatest day of your life, but to me it was just Tuesday. And like, <laughs> that is just sort of what David Dakota says about his movies. The day <laughs> all my movies graced your land, you know, was, was the greatest day of your life. But to me, it was just Tuesday. This you movie know? was just a Tuesday. To- <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think that sums this up perfectly, actually. Yeah. yeah, I really, yeah, I think you're correct. I think it's so, just, too. It's just a movie like 98 out of 160-something at this point. <laughs> yeah, like, if you just look back at his career, we talked about a lot of his fucking career, and mm-hmm. he's done so much, and I'm sort of like... You but know, he's done of- stuff that's good. 
that's the thing. So when you see something like Totem, you know, Puppet Master 3 is good. It's one of the best ones. So what what happened? I mean, I get it's low budget, but man. (coughs) This movie, a lot of the people working on it just didn't want to make it. Truthfully, it was... (laughs) those movies it just it was there and they just well i hate to say it like this sounds terrible but like he makes movies in four days and i i feel like you can't make a good movie in four days i really don't think so i mean i don't know i know justin you probably made movies in in that amount of time but like i I feel (laughs) like if you had more time you would have you would have felt like you could have made a better better project you know and I feel like with you, it's different because with David Dakota, he should have more money. So he should have more time. Well, know? it's a, something that really typified his earlier days as a, as a legit director was that he was a, a pioneer in making movies at a breakneck pace and getting, you know, shooting movies on, you know, 35 millimeter and uh, using short ends and different things and getting full length feature films made in four, five, six, seven days. You know, even back in the late 80s and into the early 90s, that was that kind of behavior was unheard of and it was kind of awe inspiring because how do you move that fast? You know, like nowadays, if you look at something like a 1313 movie, which is, you know, the, these movies, it's like, you know, I'll, I'll say it again it's like apples and oranges like comparing mm. this to that but it's like even a movie like 1313 whatever you know pick <laughs> any 14 of them cougar cult sure how long do you think it took to sh- shoot that movie probably four days mm. not at all what most of those movies most all of those movies from that era of self-produced dakotu movies were made primary production in a day they shoot the majority of everything in a 24-hour period, and then there's a half day of pickups, second unit, doorknob shot type bullshit. So a lot of those movies, especially 1313 movies, a lot of the 666 franchise, uh, they're shot in like 36 hours. I can't imagine. That's like doing a full-length uh, 48-hour film festival. Mm-hmm. You know? So I mean, he, like, good or bad, I mean, this movie's not good, but it definitely delivered a product that obviously still sells. And I mean, we're still talking about it. I mean, even the 1313s, they're not great, but uh, I mean, he, he can make an entire 75 minute long feature film in a day and a half and they still sell it and make profit. You know, I know there were challenges and, you know, it was kind of like a thing back in the day with him and other directors to see how quick you could make full length movies like that and get them done. You know, and he was always uh, ahead of the curve on everyone. Even these in this modern day of the lifetime films that Dave is doing, you know, a lot of directors were coming in doing them unionized for like 200K in a two week period. Dave started doing them non union in like 10 days, like 120. Wow. So that's what he does. That's why he does like. So these guys just took the fun out of it i mean you know when you when you hear stuff you know back to roger corman that that where you hear that he shot you know little shop of horrors on a bet you know that he could shoot that in in two days 
you, yeah. you know, you, that's fun. And the movie is fun. Or you talk or you hear about the terror or <clears throat> any of these other films <laughs> where there's enjoyment out of it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's great history to read about you, you, you know, and it's, now it just seems like these directors that do these types of things and and we know certain directors and producers who are on our level that make movies in a few days and bring them out and they're kind of garbage that they've yeah. just removed the enjoyment yeah. of that type of stuff yeah you it's, know it's, uh, it's just a <clears throat> it's a process you just like you said it, it's it's a number I mean, yeah. if if I can boast that I've made 200 movies, mm-hmm. you, you know, that's all it is, is just boasting that I've made 200 movies or. Well, and <clears throat> let's see. And that's the thing that kind of gets me is like people who make those movies over like like make 100 of these movies for like no money and no time and everything. Um, and then just keep making a movie like a month per month. You know, just people that just like constantly, like every month they put out another movie and it's just, um, they're, and they're not good. You know, when they come out, they're just not, they're just not, you know, very good because they don't take the time and extra energy to make something good. But then they're going around telling everybody, oh, I make this movie. And then they get somebody goes, oh, wow, he's made 12 movies in one year. He must be a really good filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to hire this person. To, to do my next uh i don't know puppet masters whatever you know what i mean like actually i i, I give i give charles band credit he at least probably looks up who the people are and uh and tells them mm-hmm. no nah, they you know their their stuff's crap they can't the, the, the thing with dave around this period too is is that it's like you know we, we live in a, a modern day of imdb saturation now where you can just all the information's a couple of clicks away, but back in, you know, you'll go back to the late nineties when this movie came out, you couldn't just, you know, look it up and be like, ah, Martin Tate, that's Dave. You either knew or someone told you, you know what I mean? That you did, the information wasn't necessarily just directly accessible in a, in a few keystrokes. And part of the allure of using all these fake names back in the day was that Dave was making some movies that were, bigger films like we'll say like skeletons you know he's working with like academy award nominees and things you know those are union films he's directing union films and then doing these non-union films so a lot of times using a pseudonym was a, a business move because he shouldn't have been making these kinds of movies or in a case like this I, I know he's not proud of this specific movie. He doesn't like it. So I'm sure using it on this, it's because of a, maybe not necessarily shame, but it's a case of like, I'm not proud of that movie. I, he didn't really even want to make this movie. <laughs> he only did this movie so that he could make the movie he, he wanted to make and get get the proper backing. So this this movie was a number to him, um, unfortunately. So a lot I, of them, I mean, are, it is director for higher stuff. And plus, if you use fake names, you know, because you have eight movies released in a year, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you're, you're either going to be looked at it one of two ways. You're super dope and very capable of churning out <laughs> stuff. But or 
look at this hack who sh- shits out X amount of flicks. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? There, there is no gray zone. You're either one or the other. Yeah. That's how the, that's how the public's gonna gonna look at you. It's either it's either one or the other. So um, you know. real, real quick before we end it, um, I, I wanted to make a mention that uh, we gave this a 25. That's that's the total score, and mm-hmm. it's up on par on the stink uh, ladder of stink with uh, Alien Beasts. Thank you, John. <laughs> You're welcome. It should have been a 30, but Mr. Ward here uh, decided that, uh, you know, a five good, instead of a 10 would be. Good thing best. I wasn't on that show because I'd have demanded it got like a 15. Yep. Yep. There you that, go. That movie is less of an actual real film than this movie is, in my yeah. opinion. Like, it's not even a real movie. <laughs> like, exactly. Um, and then uh, Ankle Biters, which got a 25, which seems seems fair it's sort of movie is so much better than ankle biters <laughs> right uh catwoman on the moon or catwoman of the moon that's what's written on here but i thought it was catwoman on the moon but of the moon uh dark wolf i don't know if you guys have ever seen that one that was rough yeah i remember um, thinking it was okay but that was uh no pun intended many moons ago when i watched that so and uh, prehistoric bimbos in Armageddon City, little Todd Sheets there got 25. That was the first episode we ever did, got 25 on it. So, there you go. Um, this movie, uh, sort of, I guess, I mean, I think honestly, this movie is worse than a couple and better than a couple, you know, on that list. So, there you go, it's sort of a hit or miss, hit or miss list. Um, and also depends on who watches the movie. Some people like the movies like this. Some people would not. So, you know, if we have a special guest that just doesn't, you know, it, it might throw things off or whatever. Um, it's it's definitely lower tier Dave full moon content. I'll say that. Yeah. There's certainly worse, far worse than this in the full moon canon. <laughs> there but, you uh, go far worse but um it's it's definitely not not his greatest moment at full moon and he and he knows it though so um, at least he knows it <laughs> you know I'm sure he's listening if he was listening to this he'd be like i mean they're they're not telling me anything i don't know you know <laughs> like <laughs> like i think i remember that that was a tuesday yeah, <laughs> that's literally going to be everything that we say about David Dakota from now on. It was Tuesday. From now yeah. on, every time I watch this movie, and of which I'm sure there will be a couple more times before I'm dead, I'll only watch it on a Tuesday. So, <laughs> Totem Tuesday hashtag. Totem there you Tuesday. go. There you go. There you go. Um, well, thank you guys so much. This has been awesome. This episode will be out in July, uh, so we're really excited about that. Um, uh, so I would normally tell you, ask you guys to promote something that's going on. So I guess I get to ask you guys, promote your future. Um, do you guys have anything coming out around then or, or, uh, that you know of that, or that you're planning to hopefully come out by then? Um, yes. With Dustin first. Oh gosh. On the spot here. Um, you know, I'm still just trying to get back into the swing of things. Um, I I actually will be doing hopefully some finishing up the production, belated production stuff for Jekyll versus Hyde. 
and get that in the can properly so that we can hopefully have a release later this year, eventually through Clint Kelly's company, uh, Skullheart on Blu-ray. So that's that's first priority and still lining up some things that I'm going to release through my own DVD company. Have a few lost shorts I directed back in the day that I'll start rolling out online and releasing some things to DVD as well. So watch for C-Word DVD. Awesome. Well, what about you, uh, Mr. Ward? Um, I'm kind of in, in the same thing with Dustin that it's <clears throat> trying to just get back into things. So I got uh, Delete, you know, still needs to be made. Axis 3 and 4, now that I got permission to shoot at the storage facility, that, that's going to go full swing. Um, <clears throat> and looking at some some other stuff to do too. So got to make some big decisions. One filmmaker is back. Still going to be working on the, the YouTube channel. So it, it's you know, things like that. Awesome. Yeah. We really appreciate you doing your show and uh, having us around to help out or whatever. Hey, and both of you guys have been on it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. Dustin's yeah. Both of you. You're both. Yeah. You're both veterans. Yeah. There you go. Um, you were on there for Slaughter Daughter, if I'm correct. Yeah, we talked. We actually talked about three movies when about I about three on. films. Yeah, yeah we did nice. Slaughter Daughter, Ouija Mummy, and Evil Curiosity. There you go. You know, all in what one it's show? like to be a producer. Yeah, yeah. The whole idea was what it's like to be a producer. So, ah. what does a producer do? <laughs> no, question good. everyone who watches movies asks themselves: What the hell do they do? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't well, I know. I'm not going to lie. They're the ones who go up and accept the award. That's what they do. <laughs> they go and accept the award, even though like everybody else did all the all the hard work. You know, <laughs> I lie. I lie. Producers work their ass off, man. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know that. We all produced. You know, we all. But uh, yeah, so thank you so much, guys. It's been awesome. Uh, I'll have you guys back on. I'm sure next year or the year after or something. You know, I don't know. I'm hoping it's not every other year you know or whatever but uh i'll have you guys on separately probably too you know as well so there you go uh so look forward to paul's episode will be coming up next uh next week so join us for that and i have no idea what that will be because we haven't even gotten to that yet so and he doesn't let me know until we start doing it you know so uh, it's kind of a bummer you know uh i can't can't prepare myself you know keeps it exciting i guess but I, then i don't have anything to say except for talking about the movie or let's just it. hope it's not totem oh he already knows we're doing this one <laughs> i don't think he i think he chose to sit out for a reason maybe he'll make his own totem too and then you can review that 1313 totem where it's it's six guys without shirts on in a cabin 90210 totem attack (laughs) i'd watch that i would watch them all and i would buy them all i know that's the (laughs) thing and you are a huge fan of david dakota so it's great to have you on the show about it and be honest about everything because you know you could have been like oh i love david dakota i'm gonna give it a one but if it wasn't good, don't, you know? Oh, yeah. No, he's made he's made great movies. He's made bland movies. He's made not good movies. I mean, it's, I think as filmmakers, uh, you know, 
everyone has, you know, and he's had a, a very, you know, like long career. Uh, there's been high points and low points, a lot of peaks and valleys. You know, I'm, I personally, I'm not very fond of the, uh, the lifetime era of directing yeah. personally, but um, you know what? It's, it's director for higher stuff that pays. So I can't really fault. Are fault you, doing it. are you saying he's the wrong filmmaker? Oh, he could be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for that one. I'm waiting for that movie. The wrong yeah. filmmaker. No, you know, we need is the wrong Christmas. He hasn't because, done that yet? No, but every every lifetime movie seems to either be wrong or there's like they love doing Christmas stuff. So <laughs> a talking a talking cat at Christmas that goes wrong. A talking Christmas tree? A talking Christmas. Exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. Oh my God. And and it could could be a a real Christmas tree that talks. That's like, Timmy, you cut me down. This hurts like a son of a bitch, you little bastard. And it could be like a really mean Christmas tree that has to learn how how to be happy and has to learn the spirit of Christmas. So at the end, it gives all the presents. To everybody, can you imagine hearing Johnny Whitaker voice that too? <laughs> I would rather, I'd, yeah, Eric no, Roberts as the Christmas tree. I would rather have that <laughs> than Johnny uh, Whitaker, the dads. So. Yeah. And Gary Busey is like the drunk uncle. Yeah. yeah. And then you have to throw that one girl in that you guys keep talking about that I have no idea. You're Kristen DeBello or whatever. Kristen so there you DeBello, go. Yeah, she used to be like the mom. There you go. Um, well, oh they, wait, wait. You actually, I'm sorry. You you said Cinderella, right? Not Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Was it Alice in Wonderland? Alice in Wonderland is is Debel. Yeah. The uh, who is it? Rainbow Smith. Rainbow Smith was is Cinderella. the one that's in Cinderella. So I wanted to get that correction, and I just thought of that. So that I'm not as versed in a lot of that older <laughs> 70s. Uh softcore i i saw that stuff on showtime or hbo you know or or even the censored playboy channel when it was out so oh nice got it illegally so I, as, yeah. as i remember the good old days of 90s skinamax when i would discover you know uh, abandoned uh paramount prop byproduct from full moon like cave girl island beach babes 2 and uh blonde heaven airing on <laughs> skinamax <clears throat> like 3 a.m. uncut <laughs> no <pun> well <laughs> on, on that note everybody thank you guys for checking this out join us next week for paul's episode and um uh tell us what you think did you guys ever see totem it's on tubi for free you can check it out there uh let us know if you can even sit through it or you could probably use our uh show as a commentary you know track and just you know, sit there and listen to us jabber while you watch it. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, we're, we're actually a little bit longer than the movie, are, so it'd actually long, be pretty good. We're longer yeah. than the movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so that that would actually work out pretty well. Maybe yeah. if ever do the Blu-ray, we can provide the fan commentary. There the we go. I, I I don't think they'll let us because they'll be like, they're not fans. <laughs> yeah. they, they already trashed the movie. You know, to me, know. a true a true fan can trash it. If you're if you're a true fan of something, you should be able to point out when something is good and when something is bad. It's sure only when you're those obsessed people, you know, that the artist did everything good. You know, they never made one bad piece of music or, 
you know, no, you know, never a bad movie. That that to me is not a fan. Or they can't, you can't talk, you can't tell them that they're wrong at all. Or right. you know, or all of a sudden you're not allowed to be in their presence. You know, um, you, you're not allowed to be in their presence. That's the thing. You know, that's it's a it's a it's a pleasure to be. You know, it's a you know it's a right to be in there. You know, whatever. That, that goes to show you that, you know, I, I am the true full moon fan and that I will I will stand by and support them through thick and thin and through the those high points and those low, low points. And, and exactly. I will have no problem. Something is not <clears throat> up to par for where they should be. Being. Exactly. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, for joining us. Uh, and thank you guys. Um, this is awesome. Uh, join us next week. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.